Monday the 2nd of October 2017. This morning was very dark when I awoke and there was no clue as to how the day would be. Always important on a Monday morning as it is our outward bound day to the woods, although the weather doesn't usually stop us unless it is clearly risky as in thunder and lightning. In fact it can be more fun if it is raining though delays the rest of the day trying to dry out clothes, clean off boots and generally dry out, but it's always invigorating, feels very healthy. Everyone is glowing and buzzing with excitement. How different a wood can be in the rain. The light changes and becomes more reflective and the canopy above, if you dare to lift your face up to the shower, is a sparkle as the light breaks through onto the falling rain, which hits you and hits your face relentlessly stinging, but endlessly bracing. And how a spot of rain is if you run your fingers across your rain-drenched face, it feels like silk. We live in a very hard water area because we are on a chalk landscape, and the water that comes into our homes is hard, and quite the opposite from the feel of rainwater. I know that my grandmother used to collect rainwater in a clean bowl whenever it rained, to wash her face and in particular to wash her hair. It was quite a common practice in those parts in those days. Also, what a wonderful use of a natural supply of water. Water is fast becoming a diminishing resource in the world and to hear and see how African children get their water is very distressing. It is often full of bacteria like typhus and cholera and many die just because they have no clean water. I watched a programme some time ago showing six and seven-year-old children carrying pots of water three or so miles on their heads. These pots sometimes, more than the children, weighed more than the children themselves. When I see and hear these things, I think how incredibly blessed we are in that beautiful part of the world that allows us to grow our own food with little risk of crop failure and a seemingly endless supply of clean drinking water at the turn of a tap. I then also remember the scripture that says, To whom of whom much is given, much will be expected. I then resolved to do my bit in my corner of this tired and worn out, but still very beautiful world. There is a hymn, a little hymn that I used to sing to the children to help them to go to sleep. And it goes like this. Jesus bids us shine with a clear, pure light, like a little candle burning in the night. In this world of darkness, you and I must shine, you in your small corner and I in mine. It is the same little song or hymn that was sung to me by my mother and my grandmother and I have no doubt was sung to them when they were small. It would be so good to think that you, my dear great-great-grandchildren, were still singing it to your children, unless, of course, you now live in a time when nobody needs to be reminded to shine, because everybody does it anyway, and the world is no longer dark. This morning, that glorious spider's web has a big fat spider on it, busy repairing the damages that was wrought by last night's wind, which was pretty strong. It was apparently the last energy from yet another American hurricane. 
It has been one after another this autumn. The spider has done an amazing job. I wish that I could done as well as this one does. It is incredible how they spin from the exact spot in the break and rework the pattern with no trouble at all. It is now time for school. She'll be back later. School went very well this morning. The children have definitely settled back into a discipline routine and now they are having early nights preceded by a quiet time or quiet activity. They are brighter for it the following day. As I have mentioned before, they are very feral in the summer with wilder, more active games and adventures. They also are allowed to stay up later. It is difficult for children to go to sleep when it is light outside and they can hear the birds still singing. Sometimes it's too hot. It's far better for them to be up and being creative in some way. We quite often do knitting or embroidery in the evenings and it can be a time for puzzles or sticking and making. As I write this in the music room, I can hear the sound of two sewing machines at work. The children are with Auntie Rachel's instruction, continuing the making of the dust sheets that are making to keep their sewing machines clean. I can hear the friendly sound of their chattering voices and the gentle, encouraging murmur of Rachel's as she encourages and praises them. There is a peace on the house apart from these sounds and I can almost hear the whir of Marshall's brain as he works on his homework upstairs in his study. It is a day off for Marshall from his placement today and so far this term this has been a free day but since going into college last week and coming home laden with homework, the structure of his day has had to change. From the window I can see the road through the gates and all the winged seas and leaves that were stuck to the road by the rain and wetness yesterday are now being blown around in a helter-skelter, frantic, swirling dance. They seem to have the pulse of life beating through them. It reminds me of a text that David sent years ago. He wanted to share immediately with me an experience that he had just seen of leaves swirling in such a pattern of perfection and symmetry that he thought at first that it was a flock of starlings in the beginning of flight. I think that it ended up in one of his many poems and his poetry books. For my birthday last year, as a surprise, David bought me a spinning wheel. He knows me so well and I've always secretly wanted one. I've always been interested in garments and textiles, and I love colour and patterns. Both David and I, if we have the same at the time, both like to paint, something we did a lot of years ago before the children. We still, as I have mentioned before, got the studio in the garden. My new venture this winter will be to prefer feasts and diet with natural dyes, with their muted, dusty colours and spin. I'm quite excited about this project and I expect to write about it more in my next book, Autumn into Winter. We had thought the next spring we would use one of our beds at the allotment into an area for growing plants suitable for dyeing, such as woad and other suitable plants. The children will be also able to get fully involved in this and apart from being very useful, it will be enormous fun, messy no doubt, but still fun. I think that being able to spin one's fleece, grow one's own dyes, and then be able to knit or crochet them up into a garment must be enormous fun. We shall see. 
there will be more on all of this. The children and I will be attempting a lot of traditional crafts this winter. We still have a rag rug to finish. This is a great way to use up garments that are too badly worn or torn to be passed on or go to charity shops. You have to start with an old Hessian sack. You can buy a loose weave canvas, but it's much more interesting and rewarding to use an old sack, as the poor Victorians did. You then cut strips of fabric about 6 to 8 inches long, and with a special hook, which you probably will have to invest in, this piece of equipment, but it isn't expensive, and the rest of what you will need is all free, and a good example of recycling. The only skill that you will need is to be able to pull each end of the cut strips of cotton or other fabric through the weave of the sack. It takes time to cover the whole sack, but you do end up with a brightly coloured shaggy cotton pile on one side and on the back of the mat it should be brightly coloured smooth anchoring surface. We are very much looking forward to seeing this cheery looking homemade rug sitting in front of the arga this winter, probably monopolised by one of the dogs. The added bonus of this project is that inevitably some pieces of fabric from various garments that our family have worn will be amongst the strips that we use and will bring back fond memories every time we look at it. The children have been unbelievably well behaved in their sewing lesson this afternoon, which is almost over now. This proves how much they enjoy it. Not an argument to be heard, no quarrels, and so much is learned in an atmosphere like that. I find that nothing goes in if the children are restless. One of the advantages of homeschool is that one can rearrange the timetable to suit the mood that ensures that the children are in maximum learning mode and so get everything that is taught to them. It's time to collect the eggs now and to make sure that the hens' sleeping quarters are dry and unsoiled for the night. Nikki normally does this on her return from work, but as the evenings are drawing in and until the clocks go back, and give more light in the late afternoon, I will do it with the children. It is definitely beginning to feel now like English muffin and crumpet time with chamomile tea or whatever your preference is in front of the fire. This Friday is Harvest Festival supper and I must make sure that on Thursday I make up large quantities of hummus. My friend Sue, who does the flowers at church, and also belongs to the group held here on a Wednesday, has asked me to provide some fresh produce from the allotment for the harvest display at Sunday's service at our little church. The smell is always so evocative of the season and looks absolutely wonderful. Not only do Sue, May and Lynn, who are the centre of the flower team, but also so many other ladies in the church turn up before so lovingly clean polished brass until it glows with the mellow tones of autumn and arrange the most beautiful flowers, bearers and leaves in such abundance that the stone pillars and window sills seem to groan under their magnificent weight, all become a stunning backdrop on Sunday when the congregation and choir voices swell in voice to give thanks to God for his generous bounty and provision. Being so near a farming community, it is also real and palpable. Someone bakes a harvest sheaf of bread, which is placed before the altar, and often there are wheat sheaves and cobs of corn. 
The Sunday school have traditionally brought in their offerings from home in little baskets, which they set before the altar. When I ran the Sunday school some years ago now, we would join the ladies on a Saturday morning to decorate the specially designated children's window, as well as numerous leaves of varying shades of gold and red. There would be conkers and acorns, fir cones, and always a little effigy of a gaily dressed scarecrow. We have three very vigorous Virginia creeper that covers our house, the rise. One is a deep burgundy one, one is a brilliant red, and one an orangey red. Strands of these I would trail around the window for its final enhancement. After this Saturday of decoration, there would always be homemade cake and a cup of tea. These cakes have become legendary over the years. When the service commences and one's nostrils are filled with scent of newly picked apples and other earthly smells, voices are lifted in hearty singing of much-loved hymns, like we plough the fields and, and scatter and, O oh, come, ye thankful people, come. What a truly wonderful time of the year. I do so hope that you, my great-great-grandchildren, still have churches that are still alive and vibrant and celebrating these ancient festivals.